0: Hello, and welcome to Conversations from the World of Allergy, a podcast produced by the American Academy of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology. I'm your host, Dave Stukas. I'm a board-certified allergist and immunologist and serve as the social media medical editor for the Academy. Our podcast series will use different formats to interview thought leaders in the world of allergy and immunology. This podcast is not intended to provide any individual medical advice to our listeners. We do hope that our conversations provide evidence-based information. Any questions pertaining to one's own health should always be discussed with their personal physician. The Find an Allergist search engine on the Academy website is a useful tool to locate a listing of board-certified allergists in your area. Finally, use of this audio program is subject to the American Academy of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology Terms of Use Agreement, which you can find at www.aaaai.org. Today's edition of our Conversations from the World of Allergy podcast series will focus on the upcoming American Academy of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology annual meeting, which is taking place from February 23rd to the 26th, 2024, in Washington, D.C. We are pleased to welcome Dr. Joshua Boyce as our guest for today's episode. Dr. Boyce is the Albert L. Sheffer Professor of Medicine in the field of allergic disease at Harvard Medical School and the chief of the Division of Allergy and Clinical Immunology at the Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston, Massachusetts. Dr. Boyce has a distinguished career in research with several NIH grants, over 100 original peer-reviewed articles, with a research focus on mast cells and arachidonic acid-derived lipid mediators in the pathogenesis of asthma and innate immunity. He also serves as the chair of the annual meeting program committee for the American Academy of Biology and Immunology, which makes him the perfect guest to discuss the upcoming meeting. Dr. Boyce, thank you so much for taking time to join us and welcome back to the podcast. Thank
1: you very much. I'm pleased to be here.
0: Now, I know everybody really enjoyed hearing from you last year as the lead up to the 2023 annual meeting. And I think this is going to be a, a great way to kind of get everybody revved up for Washington, D.C. as well. And I'd like to start by learning more about this brand new aspect of the annual meeting, which is really exciting. Uh, so, Can you tell us what led to the, de- the uh, development of the concurring discovery program 2024 titled Type 2 Immunity in Health and Disease?
1: Sure. So this program uh, really emerged out of the recognition that there had been a steady um, attrition of Ph.D. Uh, registrants for the meeting and Ph.D. members of the academy. Uh, and, uh, and so this program was really designed to sort of reengage that constituency, which uh, was once a very robust uh, part of the Quad AI membership. Uh, You know, there was a time when the quadruple AI meeting was really the go to meeting for immunologists who are interested in mechanisms of allergic disease and type two inflammation. And of course, a lot of that work contributed to the development of some of these respiratory biologics that we all now have and use that are such game changing treatments for patients. Um, and so, um, and so this was an effort, uh, that started at the, uh, level of the, uh, quadruple AI board of directors and working through the, um, uh, the, uh, basic sciences working group as part of the, uh, annual meeting program committee, uh, this was uh, put together by Nora Barrett with the help of a, uh, very, uh, substantial, uh, committee of volunteers. And I think it's a tremendously exciting program and it touches on many of the very hot areas of research in type two immunity, type two inflammation, which has changed a lot uh, since uh, you know the last 15 years or so um, and uh, really moving into uh, areas that were not even on the radar screen uh, when we last had a, a robust representation from PhDs in the academy.
0: Yeah, I really appreciate that background. And as, as you're sort of offering that perspective, I was thinking you're right. There, there's like so many competing allergy slash immunology conferences these days of, you know, I think people are kind of being spread out either in a regional or national manner. So uh, it makes sense to kind of try to bring it all back home. And along those lines, who who should consider attending the discovery program and why?
1: Well, I think the um, uh, the target audience really is a mixture of Uh, PhDs and uh, PhD postdocs and graduate students from some of the major labs that focus on mechanisms of type two inflammation. But uh, these uh, areas all have very strong translational implications. So I anticipate, uh, in fact, I know that there has been a strong uh, uptick in registration for this program from MDs and MD-PhDs who are interested in translation and mechanism and whose research you know, bears on some of these areas, um, as well as some clinicians who are interested in learning the, the most uh, uh, cutting edge and current uh, uh, science in these areas.
0: Oh, I think that's great. And what uh, you know, we're going to put a, a link in the show notes on the website, and this is very easy to find on the annual meeting landing page as well. It's very prominent. And so I know there's been member emails and things, but tell us a little bit more about the types of sessions that attendees can expect to take part in during the Discovery Program.
1: Sure. Uh, so this program, um, you know, which starts on Thursday and ends on uh, Saturday, uh, consists of seven uh, main sessions, Uh, which are uh, focused on uh, ILC2s, uh, a cell population that was uh, discovered uh, in 2009, 2010, and is now really regarded as a critical uh, part of type 2 inflammation, a source of type 2 cytokines. Um, There's a session on some of the innate immune cells that contribute to type 2 inflammation, mast cells, uh, granulocytes, and so forth. Uh, There's a session on the regulation of host immunity by uh, regional microbes, the microbiome. Uh, There's a session on epithelial sensing and adaptation. The epithelium is now uh, really uh, uh, integrated as a key player in uh, all allergic diseases um, there is a uh, neuroimmunology uh, session, which uh, I think dovetails very nicely with uh, uh, President um, or the presidential uh, prerogatives. Uh, and then, uh, finally, on the last uh, day of this of this uh, program, there is a session on metabolic control of immune function and a session on T cell uh, diversity and effector function. And I have to say, you know, if this had been uh, something that came up 15 years ago, it would have been all about T cells. Uh, so we now know that there's a whole lot more to type two inflammation than, than adaptive immunity. And, um, and I should add that um, the sessions are planned such that the uh, attendees uh, can also attend the, um, uh, the regular plenary sessions. Uh, that take place on those same days. So there's no conflict with that. And then there are two uh, poster sessions and cocktail receptions that will be held in the evenings, I believe uh, Thursday and Friday evenings as part of this. And all of that uh, is covered in the registration fee.
0: Wow. That, that's a robust program. Uh, congratulations on uh, to you and Dr. Barrett and the whole planning committee for putting that together. So is registration included for the discovery program for everybody who's, who um, signs up for the annual meeting, or is this going to be a separate fee?
1: Well, it's a separate fee, but it's really a nominal fee. So uh, so people who are uh, members and who register for the regular meeting can attend the discovery program for an additional $50. Uh oh. And for uh PhD trainees, it's fifty dollars uh for the discovery uh uh program uh and for uh PhD faculty it's a hundred and fifty. So the cost was kept uh really to uh, to a minimum to uh encourage people to attend.
0: That's like uh less than $17 a day if I do some quick math.
1: Yeah, I it's a lot of information and a lot of new knowledge for uh the, the, the cost.
0: Yeah. Wonderful. Uh, what about those who who uh, register for the discovery program, but either can't attend every session, or uh, you know, or, or what any of these sessions be available either as a, a virtual live stream or on demand after the meeting?
1: So the sessions in the discovery program will not, um, mm-hmm. for a variety of reasons. A lot of unpublished data will be presented at these sessions. Mm. Um, but uh, for people who uh, wish to attend the discovery se- uh, uh, program and attend the regular meeting. Uh, the vast majority of the sessions of the regular meeting will be recorded and can therefore be attended uh, subsequent to the meeting.
0: Okay. Uh, I was actually going to ask you your advice on that. So what you know, what if somebody says there's just too much to choose from and it's too good to be true and they sign up for both meetings and given the overlap, um, as you mentioned, there's some recordings for the, the annual meeting. What other advice do you have for attendees who sign up for both if they don't want to miss any of the sessions, say, in one or the other?
1: Yeah, well, I think uh, I think the, the 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 most obvious way to do it, if you're planning to attend the entire discovery uh, program, is to take advantage of the sessions uh, that are being recorded. Um, and essentially, all the sessions will be recorded and available after the um, after the the meeting. The only exceptions being the uh, ticketed sessions and seminars.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, logistically speaking, do you happen to know, will the discovery program take place in the main convention center where the, where the plenary sessions will be, or will be at the sponsor hotel?
1: Uh, my understanding is that it's at the uh, main um, uh, uh, conference center.
0: Okay. Uh, you're making it as easy as possible for people to attend. Wonderful.
1: We're trying.
0: Yeah. And do you anticipate similar discovery programs in the future at, at annual meetings, or do you think there will be more of a postmortem to see how things go this year first?
1: Well, I think the board will certainly review the data, uh, the registration numbers, uh, and uh, make a decision based on that. Um, But I think uh, with the numbers, the way they look now, it would be hard for me to imagine that they wouldn't strongly consider uh, doing this again. Um, Whether it'll be an annual thing or an every other year thing, I I don't know. That's really in the hands of the board.
0: Okay. Okay. Uh, do you want to put in any sort of marketing plugs for seats are going fast? There's three left, and you have to sign up now. Or <laughs> plenty of space to accommodate.
1: They actually had to increase the uh, uh, the uh, potential uh, registration by by about uh, twofold. Uh, so oh. yeah, yeah. They they, they the, the the registration slots went very very quickly, much more quickly than we thought. So there's a big demand for this. So we're anticipating. T- so we thought we might get a hundred people. It looks like we're going to get uh probably at least 200 uh, to 250 people and maybe up to 300 people
0: that's fantastic congratulations uh it sounds like it's already a success and i have no doubt for those who sign up and attend that they're going to find it extremely beneficial yes very exciting yeah well for those who want to learn more again uh it's easy to find on the landing page for the annual meeting website we'll put links um i encourage you to to check it out yourself you can see the whole program as well and it really is it's jam-packed with wonderful uh sessions Well, let's shift gears towards the main annual meeting at this point. Um, Is this going to be similar to last year with the ability to attend both in-person and virtually? You mentioned on-demand sessions, but will there actually be like virtual live streaming for some of the sessions as well?
1: Yeah, so all the plenaries and the keynote uh, address will be live streamed and, uh, and everything else with the exception of the ticketed sessions and seminars will be recorded and available after the meeting.
0: Um, and if you, if I recall from last year, these are available for almost 12 months afterwards. Is that say the same this year as well?
1: That is absolutely correct.
0: Excellent. Uh, you mentioned some registration numbers for the Discovery Program. Are you able to share or do you have any idea how many people have registered so far to attend the actual annual meeting?
1: I do indeed. So, uh, mm-hmm. so as of yesterday, uh, we had uh, 3,010 total registrants. Um, And that very nicely parallels the abstract numbers, which are also up by 18 percent compared with the previous year. So I think people are now sort of past the point where COVID seems to be a major impediment to traveling and to attending the meeting. And there's clearly a great hunger for this meeting. And at this point, I would say we are at least on a par with, if not slightly ahead of the game where we were uh, pre-COVID.
0: That's fantastic. Are people still able to register for the meeting? And if so, where should they go?
1: Uh, they should go to the Quadruple AI website. Uh, I think the, the registration uh, link is is still up. And uh, you can register at any point between now and the beginning of the meeting. You can also register on site, but it's a little more of a headache to do that. Uh, so I would encourage people to do it before the fact.
0: Okay. Well, you know, the pandemic inevitably comes up in any conversation about annual meetings. And unfortunately, you know, COVID is, is part of our lives at this point. So what should somebody do if they paid the registration fee to attend in person, but either they change their mind or or can no longer travel due to COVID or other illnesses, um, especially if they become sick as the meeting approaches or on that in that realm, what happens if they actually get sick while they're in attendance at the meeting? Can they shift to a virtual attendance or how does that work?
1: Yeah, great question. So they can change from an in-person to a virtual only registration at any time with no additional costs. And if they do become ill while on site, um, they will be asked uh, to appropriately social uh, distance and get tested for COVID and not return to live events until they're feeling well. Um, there will, as I said, there will be sessions that are live streamed that they can watch. And uh, and of course, they're uh, able to uh, see the recorded sessions afterwards.
0: Okay. Uh, so we've talked about the, both the virtual live stream session as well as the recorded sessions. Are there sessions outside of the in-person annual meeting that have been pre-recorded? And if so, how would attendees access those? Yeah, so those
1: are, uh, there are 57 pre-recorded uh, sessions. Um, and uh, that's uh, in addition to the 196 uh, sessions that are live programmed. Uh, so those sessions, the pre-recorded sessions, will be available to all registrants at the time, you know, starting with uh, with the uh, first day of the meeting, and they'll be available for a year.
0: So that's uh, a little over 250 sessions in total. Uh, do you have a count of like how many hours of CME credit that somebody can obtain?
1: Yeah, there are 42 potential hours of CME credit. Category. Oh my gosh! Yep. That's okay. A lot.
0: Wonderful. Well, let's get into sort of the, some of the specifics regarding the, this uh, 2024 annual meeting. And the theme for this year's meeting is, I believe, collaboration, discovery, innovation. Why was that theme chosen? And, and how do you think this will influence the topics that are discussed throughout the meeting?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, I think uh, President Bernstein's priority was really to make this meeting about uh, bringing together the uh, clinical and translational and basic science constituencies uh, in a collaborative way to move the field forward. Uh, and of course the discovery program is a component of that. Um, and I think increasingly, uh, you know, speaking as somebody who works in a division that is heavily researched focus, um, we're entering an age where, uh, progress in medical science is made much more quickly through collaborations you need to have the clinicians who uh, see the patients, identify the diseases, uh, uh, recruit the patients into the studies. You need to have the bench scientists, you know, working on mechanism, identifying the next target. And then, of course, you need the the, the translational piece in between. And I think this was really uh, this, this uh, uh, theme of collaboration, discovery, and innovation was very much in line with the concept of team science and how important it is now uh, compared to uh, 20 or 25 years ago.
0: I think that's great. Uh, this year's keynote speaker is Dr. Laura Hell van Gerben, who will be presenting on Saturday, February 24th from 3.30 to 4.30 p.m. Eastern time. Why was she asked to present? Why was she invited? And what topic will she be addressing?
1: Sure. So, um, so her area of, of focus is really nasal hyperreactivity. Uh, and specifically uh, reactivity mediated by, uh, by ion channels, uh, which has a great deal of relevance uh, to uh, rhinitis, uh, sinusitis, and really all allergic respiratory diseases, where there's this sort of missing piece that we have really not uh, kind of come to grips with. What causes, for example, uh, non-allergic rhinitis? What causes vasomotor rhinitis? Uh, why do patients with allergic rhinitis, sometimes have difficulties uh, with odors or with, uh, mm. uh, or with spicy foods? Uh, uh, and, you know, how does that connect with airways hyper-responsiveness, for example? So I think this was part of the sort of neuroimmunology theme, bringing in somebody whose focus is upper airway disease, upper airway reactivity, and the mechanisms that drive that. And I think this is something that you know will be of tremendous interest to the allergy and immunology audience and is actually, I think, quite underrepresented typically in the programming for the quadruple AI. So I think mm-hmm. it's something new and, and, uh, and I think people will be excited to hear this talk.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Even the term neuroimmunology, I think, is is very new to many of us in the specialty. Uh, And speaking of which, the Friday afternoon presidential plenary is titled Neuroimmunology, Crosstalk Between Allergy and Other Specialties. Uh, Just just tell us a little bit more about why this is an important topic and what we can expect from that session.
1: Yeah. So, you know, again, I think um, uh, the nervous system and the immune system have been thought to be connected for decades, uh, but it's only in the last uh, a few years that the tools have evolved to really understand how that connection works exactly. So neuroimmune interactions are important for itch, for example, uh, they're important for uh, lower airway function, airways hyper-responsiveness. Uh, they're important actually for host defense. There's a reason why there's a hookup between the immune system and the nervous system. It's not to cause disease, it's to defend us against pathogens, supposedly. Um, and so that uh, plenary will kind of uh, touch on all of those areas with really first-rate speakers who are the you know the, the preeminent people working in those specific areas.
0: And that sort of sets the stage for, you know, what we're all used to. And for those who have not attended the annual meeting, I encourage you to go to the website, look at the program. Uh, there's, there's so much programming throughout the weekend. But there will be plenary sessions throughout the meeting uh, on Saturday, Sunday, Monday as well. And these tend to garner a lot of interest. So what other topics will be addressed during those plenaries? Can you give us a little teaser here?
1: Sure. So we have uh, uh, one plenary on microbial influences on allergic disease, Uh, you know, we hear a lot these days about the microbiome and how it influences early life immune development. Uh, But the fact is that there's uh, circumstances where uh, commensural microbes actually drive disease rather than prevent disease or shape disease uh, uh, risk early in life. So we're going to have sort of a mixture of those uh, themes uh, with uh, Susan Lynch, who's probably the world's premier. Uh, uh, scientists focused on the microbiome and the early life influences on the immune system development. Rafe Geha will be talking about, uh, the role of skin microbes in driving, uh, the severity of, um, uh, of atopic dermatitis. And Fernando Martinez will be talking about the microbiome and asthma. So I think that's going to be a very exciting, uh, uh talk from three leaders in a very rapidly evolving field. Uh, There will be uh, a session on the link between metabolic and allergic disease. I think this is another another area where there's a lot of novelty and not a whole lot of attention paid to it in past meetings. Uh, eh, You know, certainly there are links between uh, diabetes and asthma, links between obesity and asthma. And again, we're just reaching the point where we have the tools to begin to understand how these things actually work and how they interact. And lastly, uh, new insights in the development of treatment of asthma. I mean, that's, that's changed dramatically in the last five years with all of these nice tools that we now have to treat severe asthma. And, uh, and this will include, uh, not only a consideration of the biologics, but also a consideration of the epigenome, uh, and how, uh, uh, changes, non-coding changes in DNA can lead to, uh, uh, differences in asthma phenotype and asthma risk. And again, world-class speakers across the board.
0: Oh, that sounds very interesting throughout the entire meeting. What about um, non-plenary sessions? Are there areas, new areas of discussion or topics that maybe haven't been presented before that the planning committee was particularly excited to include in the program this year?
1: Well, we're excited about all of it, of course. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, no, I think uh, I, I think there's... Uh, There's going to be uh, something for everybody, uh, but you will see that the program has perhaps a a higher portion of talks focused on neuroimmunity than in the past. And again, this is uh, a reflection of the priority of our uh, uh, current president and the impact that that had on the choices made by the AMPC.
0: Okay. Okay. Uh, Are there any AI-generated presentations during the meeting, or are we not quite there yet?
1: We're not quite there yet. Uh, (laughs) I think it's likely that there will be AI content in, or content about the AI uh, area and its impact on our field in the next meeting in 2025. That's a spoiler alert.
0: (laughs) <laughs> okay, I like that, and I saw actually some as a uh, as a uh, proud abstract reviewer. Uh, there were some interesting abstracts surrounding the concepts of AI that, that I encourage people to check out.
1: Yes, it has it has arrived <laughs> for better. And, or- and-
0: yeah yeah and I will build on my own segue with that, so speaking of, of one of the highlights of the annual meeting, uh you know all the posters and oral abstracts that that discuss these these fun new research findings that we all learn from um are these going to be only available on site in the exhibitor hall wherever they're set up or they can they be found online or on the on the mobile app as well
1: so they can be found uh, online uh, through an e we have an e poster hall oh. uh, which has all the posters and actually has brief presentations as well
0: okay. So- Excellent. Uh, will there still be a featured poster session at the annual meeting like they have in the past?
1: Yes, there will. Yep.
0: Excellent. Okay. We, we, we talked about this last year a little bit. And I just i, I always think of those who are attending their first annual meeting, because I don't know if you felt this way, but I certainly felt it was a daunting experience just to kind of navigate the number of sessions, the size of the conference venue, the number of attendees. It's, it's a massive meeting, which is really exciting. But what advice do you have for those who are attending their first meeting on how to navigate everything?
1: Yeah, so I would start early. Um, you know, once you, you have registered and you have the app, uh, I would begin looking through and kind of identifying the sessions that, uh, that look the most interesting. I would also, you know, for a young uh, faculty member in an academic setting or a young practitioner in a group practice, I would uh, probably uh, seek the advice of uh, somebody who's navigated these meetings before um, and another aspect of this meeting, which I think is very important for trainees and for junior people, is the opportunity to meet some of the leaders mm-hmm. and to network. And so uh, part of the motivation for selecting certain sessions can be the content, but it can also be who's speaking um, and uh, and getting the opportunity for some face time with somebody who ultimately might make a difference in your career uh, or give you some uh, some advice uh, about uh, how to proceed with your career, uh, trajectory.
0: Yeah, I really, uh, I'm glad that you brought that point up. I, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, it, throughout my career, I, I've used the annual meeting as an opportunity to really just sit down and, and chat with some folks and you never know where it's going to take you. So for those who are looking, uh, I encourage you just to reach out. Um, you know, uh, a nice friendly email can go a long way sometimes. Yes well you know there so we have all the educational sessions and as you mentioned there's there's tons of cme and uh just sessions all weekend all week really long that people can attend but what about outside of the educational sessions a lot of folks attend and they look forward to the annual run walk and other foundation events what can we expect this year
1: well um it's an interesting question so So apparently, uh, you know, for the run-walk every year, they have to close off streets in order to Mm -hmm. safely navigate it. And that is not an option in Washington, Mm. D.C. for a variety of reasons. But this year, uh, instead of – in lieu of the run-walk, there will be an indoor series of events, athletic events, some of them competitive, some of them non-competitive. I don't have a full listing of what they are specifically – uh but uh the the timing will be very similar to the run walk. It'll start I think at four thirty in the afternoon on Sunday. Uh and uh and it will end at uh at uh, six thirty, I believe, uh concomitantly with the um uh with the special uh po- the featured poster session. Mm-hmm. Uh so uh so I think that will be a little different uh than the traditional run walk. Um but as somebody whose knees are beginning to fail them, I'm not objecting to that this year. I need a little rehab before I can
0: get on the road again. I am very intrigued now. Uh, I can't wait to see what, what uh, you all come up with. Can you? Can I put in a plug for um, the inflatable sumo wrestler outfits and, and have people uh, put those on? I'll pass that along. Okay. All right. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, speaking of Washington D.C., what can attendees expect from their visit uh, to to our nation's capital? Are there particular areas that you suggest people visit uh, during their downtime, or other tips for those making their first trip to the city?
1: Well, it's a it's a fascinating uh, American city, and of course, there's the Smithsonian Institute. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the Hirshhorn Museum of Art. Um, there's the um, uh, the Holocaust Memorial there are, there are almost too many things to list and they're all within a very, very short, you know, sort of walking distance around the, around the green uh, in front of the the Capitol. So, uh, you know, if you have spare time or if you are able to extend your stay by a day or two, there's so much to do in Washington, DC. Uh, It's, uh, it's really a, a wonderful fun place to go when my kids were little and I was a young faculty member. Uh, We had a couple of Quad AI uh, meetings at Washington, D.C., and they were some of the most memorable meetings because of the experience my kids had, you know, going to see these these uh, uh, terrific attractions.
0: Uh, Have you ever done one of those like uh, those um, boat slash um, road tours with like the duck boats that go in the water and and travel around and, and show you the city?
1: Thank you for reminding me. No, I have not done that, but that sounds like a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a blast. And then, uh, you know, there's, I'm not going to ask you to plug any specific restaurant necessarily, but my goodness, talk about some of the, the best restaurants you can imagine, including, you know, some great ethnic food from across the world, really. Anything in particular that you're looking forward to in regards to cuisine? Uh, well,
1: you know, I, I always had good luck going out down, down to the Georgetown section of town. Mm-hmm. A lot of, lot of fine restaurants there, a lot of good ethnic cuisine, as you point out. Uh, But I haven't looked specifically into where I might go this time.
0: I I imagine you'll be quite busy throughout the meeting. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And you're actually completing your second and final year as chair of the planning committee. Uh, What are you going to miss most about participating in the planning of the annual meeting? You've been doing this for quite some time.
1: Yeah. So the planning committee uh, uh, chairmanship is actually a four-year gig. You spend two years as vice chair, and I spent those two years learning learning at the feet of uh, Leonard uh, uh, and then, who was a terrific chief, by the way, and who helped navigate us through uh, COVID and uh, virtual meetings, um, and uh, then two years as the chair. And I've had the pleasure of working with Julie Wang as the vice chair and a really terrific group of uh, people who care deeply about the academy and the quality of the meeting, who represent uh, very different uh, orientations, very different constituencies, um uh and who come together to uh you know to put together the strongest possible meeting with something for everybody and it's challenging to do it uh, but it's really uh I think very energizing and inspiring to see uh, how uh, successfully uh, people uh, navigate these um, meetings
0: yeah. I'm sure there's a great sense of pride as you just interact with attendees throughout the, the weekend and, and go to the sessions and, and listen to the speakers. Um, it's it's a great accomplishment, and congratulations.
1: Thank you. I will miss it. Yeah. But it's cool. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: what about um, anybody who's listening or, or uh, Academy members who are interested in getting more involved in either joining the program committee or just folks who can submit ideas for for sessions? What advice do you have for them?
1: Um, I would uh, I would encourage everybody to get involved. Uh, the Academy is your organization, and the entire content of the meeting uh, really uh, comes from proposals that are submitted by the membership. Uh, and the process begins very shortly after the meeting. Uh, the The website opens up, and you can submit. Uh, a proposal on anything that you think is interesting. Um, It has to be well-developed. You have to think carefully about what the learning objectives are and have to propose who the speakers are, the alternate speakers and the moderators. And you can propose yourself. This is actually a platform that people can use to increase their, their own visibility, build their own CVs. And I would not be bashful about doing that. I did that uh, for myself early in my career, and now I do it for my, uh, my junior faculty. Uh, and it's a great vehicle uh, to get that recognition, build that CV, and get promoted if that's uh, uh, important to you. Uh, but it really is an academy that belongs to the membership.
0: Dr. Boyce, thank you for your service. Thank you for your leadership Uh, in regards to the the annual meeting. Congratulations again on what looks to be a fantastic meeting for all attendees. Uh, And thanks for joining us today. This is very insightful, and hopefully we'll get people energized about uh, getting together uh, at the end of February. Is there anything else you'd like to add?
1: Uh, I love the uh, Sports Illustrated cover with Jack Lambert over your left shoulder. You... (laughs) identified yourself as a Steeler fan and uh, you could do a lot worse.
0: (laughs) Uh, Thank you. Uh, Yes. Born and raised. So it's in my blood. It's, it's hard to get rid of. (laughs)
1: Absolutely. All right. All All right.
0: right. Thank you again.
1: All right. Be well. Bye-bye.
0: We hope you enjoyed listening to today's episode. Please visit www.aaai.org for show notes and any pertinent links from today's conversation. If you like the show, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify so you can receive new episodes in the future. Thank you again for listening.